Let's yeah. do this shit. Um, yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think there's anything else. Take it away. <laughs> you gonna do it, Ort. You keep fucking up my timestamp. Shut up. What is it now? Well, hello, and welcome to Bromancing the Stone. It's the podcast for myself, Renee Sanchez, and my good buddy, Max Lyon. What's up? Watch rom-coms, and then record our thoughts when Max finally shuts the hell up for a second, <laughs> and put them on the internet for your listening pleasure. <laughs> Max, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Um, I'm good. I'm calm. I was... Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like to for a little behind, or inside baseball for everyone. Um, I like to start it on like an even timestamp so that I know how to edit it in the future. And right when I was about to start, Max kept interjecting, and it kept fucking up my start. And so I uh, I had to throw that in the intro. <laughs> there. Um, but, I mean, you're doing. <laughs> doing well max uh we're recording this on a friday night uh going back to the old school friday night because mm-hmm. uh, you're gonna be able to are you visiting someone who actually has like a backyard right oh tomorrow yeah 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 finally breaking uh quarantine for like an actual like friends gathering so um you know so Not like of- multiple friends just like you're a couple that you know yeah 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 my buddy and his wife um and their their little daughter uh and they they live out in one of the southwestern suburbs so i'm gonna drive down there tomorrow and they have a beautiful backyard and he told me to bring my glove and everything i'm i'm pumped i can't wait to get outside and like just do some old-fashioned just hanging out social distanced of course but yes well you know it's for the most part well yeah um you know but yeah, so so yeah, I'm yeah. excited for that. that sounds, sounds Pl- dope. Plus, the whole reason that we can record, or at least the theory behind it, on a Friday again was because my office started summer hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now we get half days on Friday if we uh, work an extra day the rest of the week, or an extra an extra hour the rest of the week. Nice. Yeah. So um, that's a up. nice trade off right there. Definitely. Uh, that's a worthy trade off. Especially during quarantine day. God. Quarantine times. Yeah, all I all I did today was just go out to the park and just sit on a blanket under a tree with some snacks and a book and it was fantastic. Like it, it was like seeing the world for the first time again. You know? <laughs> but anyway, well, what are you I... what have you been up to? I've just been working and, you know, quarantining at home. Um, but, uh, yeah, with uh, work, I – because, you know, freight never sleeps, uh, like, when it comes to Memorial Day 
Fourth of July and Labor Day, those holidays have to be covered by people because you know trucks are still moving and everything else like right. that. Right. Um, so we all got our picks for holidays. So I chose Fourth of July. So because Fourth of July is on a Saturday, though, I get the Friday before the Third of July off. Um, hmm. Which is nice. So it's paid, of course. So, um, but what I've done is I've big brained the play. <laughs> and because we have all this extra vacation time that is not being used right now, especially because my Vegas trip got canceled in March, I requested all that right. Thursday off as well. So now I got a little mini four-day vacation. Which I will use to probably do nothing because we're still going to be stuck and fucking inside. But you know what? We should, we should rent a boat. <laughs> Of course, it'll have to be a big boat so that you and I can stand at least six for six feet apart. Whatever. <laughs> I trust you. We're gonna be uh, driving so damn fast; germs won't have a chance. And I, uh, I hate the boat idea because I don't know how to swim, so I veto it. <laughs> I know how to scuba dive. That's it. That's. That's not enough. <laughs> yep, it's not enough. It's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. Yeah. But uh, we're here today to discuss the movie film, <laughs> <laughs> The Proposal, to finish up our Ryan Reynolds double feature. Uh, and so The Proposal is uh, a film starring Ryan Reynolds, but he's not top billing. Top billing goes to Sandra Bullock. Finally, we are re- we're reviewing a rom com with rom com all star Sandra Bullock, and I think this this I, is our twenty sixth episode, so we're half half a year in, and we finally got our first Sandra Bullock film. Yeah, how did we do that? And with the proposal is the first one, really? Damn. Yeah, I mean, well, with a lot of Sandra Bullock films that are rom-coms are like mid 91s i mean like while you were sleeping which is one we'll probably have to do soon that was that was the first one that came to my head too yeah i mean the miscongeniality films although i think the first one's really the only one we have to do we can probably skip the second one yeah Um, and then uh there's there's another probably there's some others like there's some bad ones too that I like I haven't seen but were panned by critics like uh, All About Steve the one with Bradley Cooper. Um, what? Yeah, she was she reaction. was she was in one with Bradley Cooper. Yeah. What? It's that's the proper reaction. Uh, I think that's what it was called. I'm pretty sure that's what it was called. What? Okay. I have so many questions. Let's just move on. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> so, um, like, yeah, let's get. I'm pulling up her filmography right now. <laughs> so, uh, not of the Bradley Cooper one, right? Well, no. Well, I'm not like gonna go into it, but like, the movie was. I want to make sure. Yeah, it was called All About Steve. It also came out in 2009. <laughs> Um, what? Okay. <laughs> I'm struggling with this. But I mean, there's also two weeks' notice that she had with uh, 
That's the other one I was thinking of. Uh, yeah, with uh, what's his face, Hugh Grant. Uh, Grant. Yes. Yeah. Uh, there are for- there's forces of nature, which was Ben Affleck. Um, Practical Magic. I don't know if that's a rom com, mm. but it is a chick flick. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Two by C, which I think was Dennis Leary on that one. Ooh. Um. Think that. Yeah. So like. There's some, a lot of like, huh? <laughs> like, okay, so two two weeks notice and and miscongeniality and and miscongeniality and, and while you were sleeping, those are yeah. I'll probably get touched on by this podcast at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah we'll get to those. We will definitely get to those. Um, <laughs> hey, did you say miscongeniality is way down the line? No, two weeks notice is down the line. Oh yeah. Okay. Good. Um, I love Miss Caginiali. Yeah. Uh, well, fucking fantastic. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, we'll we'll espouse about uh, Sandra Bullock's uh, abilities here very soon. But yes, for now, let's discuss the proposal. It was in the stats of the movie here. Fun fact: Tasty Tidbit. Uh, it is the uh, sequel, no prequel to the wedding. <laughs> So The Proposal is a 2009 American romantic comedy film directed by Ann Fletcher, who also directed the movie 27 Dresses, which is another movie you can do later on, one I haven't seen. Um, and it was written by Peter Chiarelli. It stars Sandra Bullock and Ryan Reynolds with Betty White, Mary Steenburgen, and Craig T. Nelson. The plot centers on a Canadian executive who learns that she may face deportation from the U.S. because of her expired visa and determined to retain her position as editor-in-chief of a publishing house. She convinces her assistant, played by Reynolds, to temporarily act as her fiancé. And uh, even though the little... That is called called an escort. (laughs) <laughs> and, not, and only and not only did the uh like the three like the parents and the grant and gammy get mentioned there but who is the third build actor so like it's sandra bullock and then ryan reynolds so sandra bullock is first billing ryan reynolds second billing there's another name that's third billing and then craig t nelson mary steenbergen and betty white oh um uh what's her name the the oh god um I always forget her damn name. Malin Ackerman. Malin Ackerman. Malin Ackerman. Which, this is her second appearance on this podcast. She had a brief appearance in the movie Harold and Kumar Go to White Castle. I think everyone knows that part. Yes. Um, But the fact that she's third build is ahead of Craig T. Nelson and Betty White and Mary. Well, Betty White gets the and, which yep. we talked about yep. being like the, the second biggest one. I Sandra took Bullock note of that one. What was that? I took note of that. Yes. So you you know now. But I, like, I learned. Malin Ackerman ahead of Craig T. Nelson and Mary Steenburgen is shocking, especially because of screen time as well. Malin Ackerman does not get that much screen time. Yeah. Um, but uh, nonetheless, uh, so the movie was released on June 1st. Well, actually, that was like the Hollywood premiere. It was, uh, nationwide, it was released on June 19th of 2009. How long is the film? Mm, hour and 35. 
It's an hour and 48 minutes. 108 minutes there. Huh. Yeah. And then the budget of the film is $40 million. So they spent $40 million on this film. I'm sure most of that was probably for Sandra Bullock and Betty White. Because, yeah, I mean, they did rent out a big house out in nature. And so there were some... Not to mention the boats and the planes. Yeah, the boats and the planes. But at the same time, there's a lot of green screen in this film. There was a lot more than I thought there was. Yeah, not a lot of good green screen either. But nonetheless, um, how much did it make in the box office? Mm, $150 million. Three hundred and seventeen point four. What dollars? Are you serious? Three hundred and seventeen point four million dollars. Holy shit! Yes. Is this the is this the highest we've covered? Uh it's up there. Yeah. Holy um, hell. If, yeah, and that's a like this is probably the last bo- like blockbuster success uh, in, in the box office for rom coms. Like rom coms have not made that big of a profit since. Yeah, this is probably the last big one. What year was this? Two thousand nine. Okay, and it was like people didn't think that there were like successes like this in the box office especially because it came out in the summer. It was, I remember it being something that people talked about, like how this is a huge success and it's a surprising success that a rom-com could hit those kinds of totals there. Uh, You know, and I think people just underestimated how big of a star Sandra Bullock is. Well, it had a, it had a great cast. Like, yeah, like the whole cast was incredible. Like Craig yeah. T. Nelson as a bitter old dad is fucking amazing. Betty White, yeah. no matter what she plays, is amazing. Ryan yes. Reynolds is super fucking hilarious in this movie. He's solid, yep. But like very well cast. And then you throw um what's his name? Um oh god, I'm totally blanking out his name. Ramon Oscar Nunez. Thank you. Yes. Throw him in the mix is like some, you know, spot appearance. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it, it all, it actually, I, it all I, fucking, like, was well thought out. Uh, see, well thought out is a good way to describe it. Um, also, the Rotten Tomato score. Have a guess. Ooh. Ooh. And this is out of 187 critic reviews. I'm going to say 90%. 44%. What? It's always the fucking opposite. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, 44% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, the... <laughs> oh, my God. David Jenkins of Time Out wrote, they may as well have called this one Mismatched Sham Wedding Comedy number 57513 for all the effort it makes to shake new life out of a tattered genre. 
See, it's because of bitter people like that that the rom-com genre almost did die. Uh, and then Peter Bradshaw, The Guardian, gave this a one out of five, and wrote Sandra Bullock is teamed up with Ryan Reynolds, and each star's each star's face has a waxy immobility that has nothing to do with Botox. The pure awfulness of the script has paralyzed their facial muscles. Jesus. Which brings me to my first memory of this film. Um, so uh, I remember seeing this film in theaters with my mom. And I don't know if my sister Monica was with us or not, but I remember seeing it with my mom. And it was one that we're just like, uh, like I had seen interviews and I had seen previews and I was like, yeah, I'm definitely interested in seeing it. Let's do it. And then I remember, I think my sister Monica was with us. And I remember when I first watched the film, it wasn't like opening weekend, but it was after a lot of people had seen it. And there were a lot of people, especially people our age, who mm. were like, this is the best rom-com ever. A lot of people who were watching this film liked it so much that they were saying it was their favorite rom-com. Jeez. Which to me, as a rom-com watcher and lover, I immediately In- was like, are you, what? Like, have you, what? How how is this better than you know the immediate thought is love actually or you know this or that or the other you know and, and now that I've started watching more you know when Harry met Sally and this and that mm-hmm. and the other um and so I went in with my guard up a little bit because of other people's opinions and just kind of like a yeah we'll see sort of attitude and then I saw Sandra Bullock's face and. Look, at this time, she was probably in her late 30s. Mm-hmm. Like, and so her face has, has, like, any actress's face has had work done. So if you watch this in, like, some sort of HD situation, you're going to see a little bit of it. But the Botox on her face and my opinion coming in of this can't be the best rom-com ever was clouded just my enjoyment of the film in the theaters. I just remember telling my mom and my sister, it was okay. I just couldn't get past Sandra Bullock's face. I The Botox on her face in, in 2009 had clouded my judgment and my <laughs> so much that I couldn't get past it. So it's funny that I find that critic review about their faces being completely paralyzed. Because it was Sandra Bullock's face. That I couldn't get past the first time I watched it. Are we sure she got Botox though, or is she just getting you know, you know, some sort of work that whatever work? I, well, I don't know. No, I I mean maybe she's just you know showing her age a little bit, and she had some weird makeup artist that didn't do a very good job. <laughs> I don't know because I I noticed some detail too, but it was like I I didn't think I noticed any like actual like face paralysis. Okay. Uh, but yeah, as as far like I mean, her nose has weird nostrils. There's that too. Well, she's always had those. <laughs> yeah, but nonetheless. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so that was my like first opinion of the film. Don't, watching don't, that. Don't get me wrong. I think Sandra Bullock is fucking gorgeous. She's one of my favorites. So I'm not even gonna pretend to to pick her apart here but continue oh yeah so 
Um, as far as, so when watching it again, um, <laughs> I uh, found a, a less than reputable site to try to watch this the first time. And I got an hour and 20 minutes in, like right when she's stuck in the water. And then the stream started buffering and buffering and it basically stopped working. So I had to rent it on Amazon to finish the movie. Mm -hmm. And I enjoyed it a lot to the point where I have this rental for 48 hours and we are stuck in quarantine with nothing to do. So I watched the movie a second time on Amazon because <laughs> I already had it. And it's like, I'm not going to let this go to waste. Yeah, yeah. You got to get your money's worth. Exactly. And um, yeah. What was your first memory of watching this back in – did you watch it in theaters? Um, No. I think I watched it after it came out. Um, And I think I was – I was pleasantly surprised by it, but then it lost its luster like right after the first time I watched it. Like the last couple times I've seen it, I was just like, yeah, it's, it's a decent movie, but it was like, like you were saying, one of those rom-coms where you're like, you're told that it's good. So you're like, yeah, it's, it's good. I think I just got tired of it, but it, you know what? Yeah, you're right. It's still a good movie. But then it ha it's been like, I want to say like at least seven or eight years since I've seen it. So yeah, it'd been a decade since I'd watched it. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. And so you'd only seen it once. That, yeah. I'd only seen it that one time in the theaters. When gotcha. I hadn't watched it again. Um, so uh, the well, first thing, what was that? I said, let's get into it. Yeah. I was about to get into it. So, the first thing is, uh, <laughs> the thing that always cracks me up with this movie is the fact that Ryan Reynolds is Canadian and Sandra Bullock is American. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I always love that aspect. Like, in real life, the nationalities are switched. Um, but I, just little details like that in, is what makes this script, I think, a solid one for rom-coms. It's not necessarily completely reinventing the wheel. But it's putting nice rims on the screen. <laughs> you know? Like there's little details that are just like nice little details in the throughout the script and throughout the movie that are just inspired choices, I think. Um, and like just her needing, her being Canadian and still needing an immigration lawyer, I think it's just a fun. What the hell just happened? I don't know. What was that sound? I don't know. I didn't hear anything. Oh, it sounded like a truck was in your living room. I did not hear that. All right. Sorry. Continue. <laughs> uh, so uh, what are you drinking tonight, buddy? Oh, you know, just some liquid mushrooms, apparently. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> You'd see if I'm if I'm imagining things when you edit it. I guess so. <laughs> I, I want I want proof here. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I just like the little details in the script that they've added with 
the whole Canadian thing. Um, the the you know the roles being reversed where it's a female boss and a male assistant. That was exactly my first of like a couple notes that I took. It was exactly that the role reversal. Yeah, it's just little role reversals here, little you know bits here and there, um, and yeah, I just there there are a lot of inspired choices. I I like, and then the casting was really good too. Yes, yes. As you, as we've talked about, like yes. Craig T. Nelson and. Mary Steenburgen and Betty White as supporting players. You cannot go wrong with them. Nope. Um, anytime Mary Steenburgen is a mother in a film, I'm on board. Right? The like, mother's on board. <laughs> like, I, the proposal, on board. She is a weirdly comforting and amazing mother figure to watch. I agree. 100%. I enjoy watching her be a mother in films, especially yes. comedies. Yes. Um, just when she's so excited that they're going to get married the next day and she won't leave the room after she brings in cinnamon rolls. Yep. It's like, I like that mom character. I can understand how it would be real annoying in real life, but as a watcher of the movie, I enjoy that. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Or the way she gets stern with Craig T. Nelson's character. Yeah, because she wants to see her son and possibly yep. grandchild. And all yep. That. Yes. I loved it. I loved it. Uh, but the biggest, well, a couple other little notes. I mean, Betty White's a genius. Of course. Like, just comedically, she's a genius. And it's not just that she has a ton of experience because she's been acting since the 70s and 60s and whatnot. I feel like she's an actual genius. Like, she's, just, she's, she's pretty fucking amazing. There's, it's just, it, it's so second nature. Like her comedic sensibilities, they're well, so good. She's so fucking so dry good. about it too. Where it's yeah. just like she just still just maintains the sweet old woman, like persona the whole time. But you can tell it's some. There's some glint in her fucking eyes that just yes. says, "You know, I'm fucking with you." The glints in her eye, the delivery of the lines that she puts out, and you know that she's still coming up. Like she's probably coming up with those lines and coming up with those deliveries. And it's like at this time she was like eighty nine or ninety years old. Was she like, really? How, yes. Jesus. She's like a hundred at this point. Dear God, really? Yeah. Yes. Wow. Fucking. Yeah rock that that's awesome i know she's she's 98 years old excuse me wow yeah so at this time she's 87 i honestly did not like i never would have guessed that was her age yeah just because i like she's still so full of fucking energy and vigor that and like and whip smart and you can tell she just yes on it. and it's like how there are a lot of 87 year olds who would not be on it like that yeah and she's on it that's why i think she's a genius like they're like as a human being she's been a genius her whole life no. because she's still on it mentally like that yeah she's stayed sharp i mean that's that's a testament to uh, anyone in the top of their field you know like yeah 100 yeah, percent. yeah but the biggest takeaway I had from this film 
is the chemistry between Ryan Reynolds and Sandra Bullock. Yeah. Like, holy chemistry. Like, this is this is a whole set of beakers and, uh, you know, <laughs> and Benson burners and, you know, and that's a goddamn periodic, per, periodic chart. Like, this Ooh. is all sorts of chemistry. The two of them together is just so funny. And so, like, it's everything you want. It's funny. It's sexy. It's just, it, it's nice. It's combative at times. It's, it's everything you want from, you know, leading a leading couple in a film. Yes. It yes. is. The they two are, of them together is well done. And they are, most importantly, is they are both strong characters independently as well. Like, mm-hmm. it's not just all about the couple, which, of course, we always want it to be, and I constantly complain about not having enough of, but mm-hmm. it, it's they develop these two characters to begin with, you know, and then put them together. It was great. Yeah. I, I dig that the... They both had different per parent parental backgrounds that had caused their current, the way that they acted currently in life. Yeah. Yeah. But completely different where it's just like, she lost her parents and she was an only child and she basically has no family. Yeah. Since she was 16, he has this very loving family, but an overbearing father that he, whose footsteps he just didn't want to follow in. And he wanted to, he wanted to make his own path instead of following the path that his family had already set before. Right. And right there, like you've already, like we don't need to delve into their whole backstories. We don't need a ton of details. Don't bog down the movie or the plot. Mm -hmm. They gave us just enough where it's like, all right, they're strong characters on their own. Now we can like read into them and interpret how we want. Like they gave us a great foundation to work with and, you know, you can now you're free to kind of like connect with one of the characters and read into it more and like see yourself or see someone you know, like that kind of thing. And they did a good job with that. And one thing I thought of while watching this film, especially after Definitely Maybe and what we talked about with that, mm-hmm. is that with these films, there's three things you can do you can either show, you can tell, or you can infer. Like that's the three things you can cause the audience to do with how you present the film, hmm. whether you're writing or you're directing or everything else. Like show is like when you see a, a look or you know a, a smile or you know something like that, and it's like right. the director's showing you how that person's feeling. They're showing the development. There's tell where you know there's the the odd line where she mentions, "Oh, my parents are dead." And I don't have any brothers or sisters, so <laughs> yeah. she says that in the initial interview. So now you know, okay, that's where she's coming from. And then, and then they even, and then they show more because she has a tattoo, which they then show when she's naked, right? And you know, everything else like that. And then there's infer, which you know some things can be inferred, like the you know they you can infer that her demeanor is because of what you've been told and shown. Right. But if you do it incorrectly and you don't show or tell, you just cause people to try to infer, then 
then there's a lack of communication. It's hard to connect with the movie as an as an audience member. Right. You have to have a balance. Yeah, you have to show and tell within the film in order for someone to be able to infer about those feelings and actually, you know, be with you in the movie. And I feel like this movie does a good job of bringing the audience with them. Yeah, I agree. Giving enough. Yeah, completely, completely. Yeah, that's wow. That's it's a good. That's a great way to put it. Yeah, I mean, it's only taken half a year of this podcast to kind of come up with that theory, but that's the theory I came up with watching this film. That's a great way to put it. No, I like that a lot. It's totally true. And it, it, it totally, like, I mean, I'm sure you could say that about any any movie genre. Yeah, you can, you can move that around with genres, too. Uh, you could, you, I mean, you could even say the same thing about literature. But um, yeah. but I would say it's a, it's especially pertinent to rom-coms or any, any movie that has a lot of emotions contained in it, you know? Or it talks about what it is to be human, you know, to have... Mm-hmm to have the more human experiences and emotions and stuff. So the fact that you're able to sum that up. Yeah, that's perfect. Totally perfect. Yeah. So the film, like what did you think of the Alaska choice? Mm. Like the fact that he's from Alaska, Sitka, Alaska. I thought it was unique but i i remember thinking when i first saw it like why but then i kind of just glossed over it and was just like oh whatever it's their own take on things and but every time i've seen it since i just keep going why i thought it was an inspired choice especially for what they were trying to like because it gives them creative license to then have the dad be able to fly an immigration agent over to Alaska on an overnight flight somehow from New York. <laughs> that he's True. like, if, cause if you can build a, an empire in Alaska where you literally own everything in the town and basically own the town, you can have enough money to be able to pay for something like that. You know what I mean? Where you can't necessarily be like, from Portland, Oregon, and just be like, oh, yeah, I have, like, <laughs> seven, eight, nine, ten different businesses, so I can, you know, be rich enough to be able to, like, have this house and fly you over this and that and the other. But you could be from Philomath, Oregon. <laughs> but in Philomath, <laughs> you could own all of Philomath. <laughs> like, that was my as, dream like, at one point, but... Yeah, like, because, I mean, there's the line where uh, she mentions to... Uh, where uh, what's her uh, gosh what is Margaret (laughs) mentions to Andrew that you know I didn't know you're some sort of Alaskan Kennedy yep and it's like it's like you could do that by setting it in Alaska it's a lot harder to do that in like a a different major in the continental US yeah the continental US like in Alaska it feels more you know un un, that uh, that is a good point yeah. yeah. Un, oh, what's the word? Untouched, unexplored. Yeah, untouched is good. It was un uh, like conquered. Yeah, unconquered. Wait. Okay. Okay. Not. Yeah. Just not like declared. Undeclared. Are you saying we should go conquer it? 
Yeah, I'm saying. Want, do, are you, like, can we take a road trip and conquer the shit out of Alaska? <laughs> I'm saying let's go to Alaska and let's go ahead and just claim it for ourselves. Yes. Dude, everyone's under quarantine. No one's going to expect us coming. Exactly. Let's do it. Let's fucking Although, do it. We're not claiming it from humans, though. We're claiming it from the meese. Or the mooses, whatever you want to call it. We could do that. We could do that. I mean, we might want to investigate other allies as well. I mean, if we're thinking about it, yeah. Yeah. So maybe, maybe, maybe the Mises arch enemies, the polar bears. We Ooh. reach a treaty with the polar bears, and then they help us in the in the war with the Mises. Ooh. <laughs> what the fuck are we talking about? Anyway, you get the wolves <laughs> in on that too. Yeah, and then <laughs> and then at that point, you got Liam Neeson on your side as well. And Santa Claus. <laughs> oh, God. What the fuck were we talking about? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. No, that was don't you ever apologize for shit like that. That was beautiful. Um, yeah, and so. <laughs> back to the movie. Yeah, back to the movie. Um, there, you know, along with like the, the cleanliness of the script, there's just a lot of, there's a few, you know, Chekhov's guns in this film that they set up. Uh, so Chekhov's gun, uh, Chekhov, uh, I forget if he was like a writer or a critic or something. I, I don't know. But anyway, um, there's a theory where, you know, if you introduce a gun, in in the film or in any sort of piece of literature or art that the gun has to be used so mm. if you mentioned that someone's got a gun that gun needs to go off at some point whoa that's the theory so in this case as margaret's climbing down the ladder when they first get to alaska they're moving from the truck to the boat and she mentions she doesn't know how to swim that's a Chekhov's gun moment you know at some point she's going to fall in the water Oh, okay. So it, it's like a, a foreshadow. Yeah. Um, slightly slightly askew Chekhov's gun, but still a Chekhov's gun. She mentions she doesn't have parents. And then there's the mention on the plane ride that she had a tattoo, but he wasn't sure if she had you know, gotten it lasered or not. And then you see the tattoo, and then she explains the tattoo and its meaning when they had their heart-to-heart. That's a little more of a slightly hmm. skewed Chekhov's gun, but um, but you know, I like even though those are obvious if you know what to look for, I still enjoy them because it's just like this is obviously the scriptwriters making an effort. Like they they understand what they're you know they understand kind of like a script writing one on one. They understand the basics of writing a script here. Like yeah. I can trust them in crafting a film here. Yeah, so and, you, you start to trust them more. Yeah, and, yes, and, and believe the story and, more. And Yeah, those moments do, you know, do play a part. I mean, the the water part, I don't know if that necessarily, if, we, if that's needed in this film. I thought it was um, funny. When she's climbing down the ladder at him. Well, yeah, like that part. That I don't know how to swim, that. hence the boat. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking about more when she falls in the water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Out. 
it's like I, you we already kind of got the hint that they were already getting close i mean i guess it kind of helps them getting closer right before they get introduced to the fact that the immigration lawyer or immigration agent is there yeah yeah it was a good prep for that yeah i mean um and yeah it's just yeah, despite like every all the compliments I'm giving to this film, there are still some things that just kind of are like not all the way there for me. Um, I the the immigration agent. Yeah, he was kind of a weird role, wasn't he? Yeah, it's just why do you give that that much of a fuck? Like they don't explain it very well. Yeah. I mean, other than he mentions how he's like he's like Elliot Ness, I'm thinking like, I'm thinking he was like a weird like what was the role you were talking about last I think it was last episode where we brought up the the guy that just stirs shit up. Uh yeah, um, there was a uh, Hawthorne was his name uh, Kevin Klein's character. Oh uh, 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 yeah, what was his name? I don't know. Um, but yes, yeah, I think he was that role, but like in a slightly more comedic way. Yeah. He was supposed to, he was there to stir shit up. Like I, I get that. I'm just talking about like what, like, but if he's going to play that kind of a role, like what's his, it still doesn't excuse the fact that I just don't understand what his motive motives. Yeah. Yeah. Other than he's just like, what, trying to uphold the law? Like, why are you upholding the law against this? Like you know he's a driving force behind a lot of their decisions i get that but oh here we go here's a here's a here's a metaphorical high take on it here okay what if it's a subconscious battle between three people at the top of their fields between margaret and andrew and him so he's he's just this career driven guy just like they are where he like gets a thrill out of life from being the best at his job. So he just wants to fucking take him down. And then we're shown that, you know, these two other people team up against him and win. I mean, boom. That's a possibility. I just wish they would have shown or told it. Instead. We just have to infer. Yep. There's your inference theory. Way too much. and And so, yeah. I mean that's a that's a good inference theory. I sure. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I still wish they would have shown or told more about it. Uh, just in in any case, uh, you know. Um, you, you get the uh, you get the Baylor. you get the after ever after theories. I get the parallel universe theories. <laughs> <laughs> um, we mentioned uh, Malin Agerman's character in that she doesn't get a lot of screen time. It's just, yeah. I mean, We're, other than kind of being a conduit of just like Andrew's a really good guy, you should. You know, he's a good guy. Like, other than like vouching for him, it's just like there's. She kind of seemed unnecessary. Yeah, and and also and like you know what? Are you just gonna let her go? Like, she's there to kind of push them together in a weird way, but. It, in this very like odd like just one off like she just magically appears. It's like she magically appears and just being like, "Hey, he's a good guy." All right, bye. 
And it's like, oh, hey, yeah. you go after her. Okay, bye. <laughs> like, I, it's just like, there's probably more that could have been played there. Or, you know, her character could have just, like, not been involved. Because then it provides this odd dynamic of just, like, you know, the old ex-girlfriend vibe. Where I feel like a jealous yeah. angle. Like, there could have been more of a jealousy angle played on that. That's what I always thought was weird about it. Like, Margaret was more of like, let me just get out of the way sort of thing. Instead of, you know, playing the jealousy. And I think that might be what, what's been the toughest part. For all the chemistry and everything else, I, you know, I know she has to play the tough exterior as a character, but... Is Margaret really in love with him? Well, I I think she just I, I think by the end of it she sees she sees someone that is a good person deep down inside that has people who have already accepted her and she's experiencing all these things at once and it finally makes her realize, you know, she's got this great job and great career, but she's missed out on something else that she realizes she ne- can now have. That it's, you know, the, the chance of it is, is right there in front of her and it starts to soften her exterior. So, I mean, I don't think either of them, I don't, I don't, I honestly didn't think he could be in love with her after you know, three fucking days or whatever it was, but this is okay. This, this is a vein here. We need to, we need to dig on this. All right. So here, like I'm, I'm spitballing. Cause this is something I, I, there's always been something that felt off where all the good parts that we've just mentioned, all the, like, you know, like I enjoyed this film. I'll, I'll continue to preface that. I enjoy this film. There's a lot of good Agreed. aspects to it. Agreed. It's fun to watch. It is fun to watch. But something has always felt off, and I feel like it's the love, the actual feeling of love between the two main characters. Like there's on-screen chemistry between them; they are comedically funny together. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. look good together. Mm-hmm. They're both very attractive. Mm-hmm. But are are is there actual love between them? Because I know they've spent basically three years together. Non-stop. And so you have to kind of infer that those three years, over those three years, it took these three days to kind of unlock the underlying feelings of the three years. That's kind of what you have to True. buy in. That's a good point. Yeah. You have to kind of buy in on that theory to believe that three days and a kiss leading into everything else that happens over a weekend is it creates love. That's, that's still a that's tall a, order. Yes. I agree. It's a tall order. That's a huge leap of faith you're asking someone to take on that. It, and I, and when she says she can't do it, she meant you know it's after the whole quote the full family aspect of it. The fact that Mary Steenberg again and uh, and Betty White are bringing her in. And, you know, doing the whole wedding dress thing, giving her the necklace like she's being taken in by all of Andrew's support system. Yeah. But as far as Andrew himself, 
other than him saving her out of the water and being naked and the and the late night talk they had where he still doesn't even mention anything about himself she's still mentioning things about her to him other than those two little bits there's no real love sharing between them they were naked Stop. <laughs> so what that bonds that bonds people <laughs> Sandra Bullock looks incredible naked. Oh my god! Yes. I, I, I mean, oh my I, god! I'm not, I'm not about objectifying anyone, but I am about admiring. No. Oh. And this is a complete admiration of, yep. of her, you know, her her physical body. Mm-hmm. Like she, just as a, as mm. a, you know as a physical body, it was fantastic. So. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 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 So as. I mean, <laughs> just pause on that image for a minute and yeah, moving yeah, on. No, I, but I'm trying, like, as I said, I'm, tr- I'm kind of spitballing here. Like, and then when he finally shows back up at the office, like he immediately is like, no, stop talking. Like he's just, he kind of comes at her a little, a little rough. And it's like, look, I understand. Like she's been like tough and rough to you and everything else like that. But now it sounds like, mean. Yeah, and then it's kind of fucked up, and then he kind of like calms his tone down, you know. She like, and then in the note she writes about his like manuscript, you know, she mentions like he deserves it, he deserves all the best things, sort of thing. Like that's kind of the best thing she ever says to him is that he deserves the best for this book. I mean, the bar is low, but yeah, you're right. And yeah, exactly, and. And then he gets mad that she couldn't say it to his face and calls her, you know, a terrorist to like to Gert. It's like, like, I get that you were playing up the, the, the mean tension between these two characters for comedy at the beginning of the film, but there has to be like a softening and I don't feel like they softened enough, especially over three days. Can I just, there's something else that bothered me. That's very brief. Can we Go take on. a brief yeah. second? Do it. Why Gert? Who chose that? Uh, it's short for Gertrude. I, I know what it's short for, but of all the names. Hey, Alaska's weird, man. <laughs> That's perfectly sound explanation, actually. <laughs> they elect Sarah Palin as governor. We're, we're talking oh, about fuck. I already forgot about that. <laughs> oh, my God. I can see Russia from my house. Yeah. So, um, and <laughs> those meese and mooses out there, they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> so, I think, like, that is the toughest part. I mean, but it does kind of lead up to, you know, the kiss of the film, which, which is the first time I watched the kiss. I, I loved it. The second time I watched it, it was still great, but then it didn't affect me as much. Cause I started looking a little more critical at this, but it- at the end, yeah. Which which kiss are we talking? 
I'm talking about the end. Um, the kiss in the office. Okay. I consider that the kiss. I know okay. that they have their first kiss in, in the house, and that's supposed to be when they like start feeling things. But that one's played too comedically for me to believe that that's the kiss of the film. Okay. What are your thoughts? I could see it both ways. Okay. I like, I mean, the, the, the last kiss is the typical rom-com kiss. Mm-hmm. But I could also see where the their first kiss, when they're talking about the, the proposal and everything, I could see that being the kiss because they're talking about how they proposed, which is, you know, the title of the movie. Mm-hmm. And it's in front of everyone and, you know, it's supposed to be staged and forced and everything. And then the, the final part of it is very much different that they, that's when they, like you said, they first start realizing they have feelings for each other, but it, I loved the way they're, the scene kind of changed No, the whole scene stayed the same, but they changed in the moment. Like, they did a very good job acting where like yeah it was it seemed like it really was happening that way like they were starting to oh here's a here's a new feeling let's enjoy yeah. this kiss but anyway that's my take on it i which one would you which one do you want to grade um I mean, I liked them both, so <laughs> I'd give them both the same grade. So take your pick. Well, which is? I'd give them both an A. Okay. A good right. fucking A. Yeah. I think both of them are well acted, and that, once again, goes back to the fact that they have great chemistry together and that they're good actors in general. Um, Not to mention they're both fucking gorgeous people like it's very true and to see gorgeous people actually do a good kiss yeah is like goddamn fireworks with your head right next to them (laughs) yeah i agree um but i think that the ending kiss in the office is the kiss um and just because it's the the you know triumphant one no um you know me. That's never the reason. That's never the sole reason. I mean, I was just giving you a setup there, softballing it in. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's all you know. The dialogue leading up to it is very important. Uh, and what really makes this kiss for me is is that dialogue, and not necessarily like the whole you know. And then things change when we kissed, and when we, I saw you naked, you know, that whole preamble part isn't great. It starts when she's when she has her rebuttal, where she, you know, tries to push him away, mm-hmm. and, and in the initial thought, which is another, like it's a real reaction, but it's also his first thought, best thought. You know what I mean? His first thought, real thought, because there's that whole theory of like, you know. The first thought that comes to mind is what you really feel or, you know, the first answer that comes to mind is correct 80% of the time. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so is that how she 
really feels like she's not completely into him. You know what I mean? Like supposedly her leaving was the admission of love, according to Mary Seedberg and Betty White. But her first thought is to say, no, like you shouldn't like, I, I think, I mean, of course she says, I think it would be easier. Well, yeah. What if, like, what if that's just her defense mechanism taken over? I mean, like, that's how we're supposed to infer. It's, it's supposed the default to be, behavior. It's supposed to be her default behavior because she's been defensive. And the reason she's defensive is because her parents said when she was 16 is that she immediately put a wall up and tried to be tough because she had to take care of herself. And she's done that in lieu of every everything else. She has she has been allowed herself to be vulnerable because being vulnerable would, you know, when she has to rely on herself is a no go. She can't be vulnerable because that means that you have to be okay with failing and you can't fail when you're trying to take care of yourself. Right. I know that well, because that's me, but I actually hundred percent <laughs> agree. Like I've read into that character so fucking much. Yeah. Uh, like I get that. That's I, I get it. I get the whole like can't fail aspect. Yep. And also, when she mentions that she cried in the bathroom after being called a poisonous fish, it's like, yeah, I get that. Like yep. that all. Yep. That all checks there. Um, Hell, even I cried in the bathroom at work. It <laughs> happens. It happens. Yeah. Uh, but the, I mean, but then, yeah, it, it works because it's a very real reaction where she's just like, you know, I think it'd be easier if, you know, you just let me go. And then he says, you're right. It would be easier. And then pauses and kind of lets her, that's, that's like the verbal version of him going nighty and letting her go to the tent. <laughs> yeah. Right there. And then the best part of the whole thing, the best part of the kiss beyond the actual meeting of lips is her just looking at him and going, I'm scared. Yeah. Yeah. When she, the first time I watched that kiss and her say, uh, I'm scared yeah. with the tear coming down, it's Sandra Bullock acting and dropping a tear saying, I'm scared. I'm just like that. That quality of acting is beyond where where we're at. Like we're watching a rom com, yeah. Finish. Yep. And it's a solid rom com, but it's not necessarily top notch. All the Oscars rom com here, and she just gave like an Oscar winning tear. I'm scared delivery. Yeah. For yeah. a rom com, and it's like that kind of effort is why this film made so much money. God, that's and, fucking true. And so that part, when she says, I'm scared, and he says, me too, and then they kiss, and then she's smiling. Like, that's supposed to be the admission of love. And it's just like, you know, going, like, I, I as I mentioned, I was spitballing, and it's just, you have to take that as the answer. Yeah. And it's just not a, it's, it's not definitive. But at the same time, that kind of comes back to life. Like when it comes to love within life, love is never completely 100% definitive like it is in the movies. Right, right. When you're feeling it. You know what I mean? As we talked about kind of last week with the whole building Ikea furniture analogy. like. Well, and, and there's, yeah, there's, there is no instruction book for it. Yeah, it it, there, it never comes in the same shape or form or 
size or color. Like it's it's always different. It's always unique. There's no way to predict it. Yeah, and, and so you know it's there's a lack of you know grand. Oh my God, it's happily ever after here. It's it's more of a right now this is good because they agreed to date like he they're engaged but they're dating yeah yeah and then they end with the whole you know immigration you know yada yada is the whole thing um but i personally would give the kiss an a minus it would have been an a i just didn't like how hot he came in Oh, yeah. Okay. I can understand that. And I think that was just playing more toward the beginning of the movie where they were kind of, where she was callous and mean to him. And so he was callous and mean to her and they played that for comedy. It did come off a little weird, though. I'll agree with that. Or, yeah, the whole stop talking and this and that. Like, yeah. You know, calm calm your ass. Like, you know, this isn't, you aren't like pulling your hair in bed right now. It's also kind of out of character for him, too. Yeah, well, not really, because he was rude to her, mostly as a retaliation, but he still was rude to her. Like, fucking, he's chatting in the message that the witch is on her broom when she's moving to Bob's office at the beginning. Oh, well, that's true. Never mind. Like, he wasn't nice to her at any point. He made her propose to him. Not to mention. Yeah, not to mention he was probably bubbling up from all the three years worth of prior stress, so. Exactly. Um, but nonetheless, uh, before we get into what happens after ever after, I forgot to mention one thing. We barely mentioned uh, his name, Oscar Nunez as Ramon. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I had a comment on the, the kiss that you graded as well, actually. I What's loved, that? like, their, like, it, for some reason, I... <laughs> I'm trying to find the right way to phrase this. I love, like, I love when you like touch someone's face while you're kissing them. You know, you put your ha- your yeah. hand up on their cheek or run it through their hair, or, you know, something like that. It, but whenever it's done in movies, it tends to be super weird, or at least yeah. weird looking. They did it in this kiss. And I loved it because it was like just enough. It wasn't very much, but it was like just enough. I took note of it because I always like doing that. I always like, you know, touching the, the cheek of the girl I'm going to kiss. Um, but it, I took note of it in the movie because it was like, oh, it's not like blocking their view. It's not weird looking. It doesn't look like he's like fucking manhandling her head you know it's it it's done just enough and it's tasteful and it's it was very sweet and it totally made that kiss at least for me anyway but yes oh i get that i'm more of a small of the back or hip area kind of guy mm. I, like i like that's a good one too but for me i liked and set it up a couple weeks ago the way that they were he grabbed hands with her and like he grabbed it like almost like in a backhand way, 
where like he was like overhand and like held her hand so she's like underhand he's overhand and like they grabbed right hands together and mm. then they kissed like i kind of like that whole handhold first before they like kissed and then mm. his other hand, they went to the small of the back like i liked the way that they embraced in that kiss uh, but yeah i, I usually just go straight in small of the back the other hand to the face <laughs> None of this hand holding to to begin. Yeah. Um, but uh, I just want to give a quick shout out to uh, the well, I guess the dancing in the scene or in the movie. Um, couple things. One, the director of the film is also a choreographer, which I think kind of added to two scenes. One, the uh, like. Uh, Sandra Bullock dancing and rapping. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I fucking love that scene. <laughs> which was hilarious and also very attractive. Weirdly very attractive. Yes. Not weirdly. Not She's got back and she was wearing tight pants and she was getting low. Like, there's no weird about that. Well, okay, like, yeah. We we'll put it I, that I, way. Yes. That. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it is what it is. Um, so, but that part was pretty funny, even though it was like corny, but it's still funny. Um, but the other dance scene from Ramon, God damn it, Oscar Nunes. Like, just let's just get beyond the whole like male nudity is funny ho 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 thing. It's the actual dancing that he does in the film in this part is hilarious. Just. <laughs> like I, I saw I found a behind the scenes feature on YouTube after I watched this film and they talked about how he basically just he committed and he knew that there's going to be some uncomfortableness and he didn't want to like make people uncomfortable but he understood that he was going to have to push that button <laughs> like in order for this to like come off funny and he completely committed 100% is what they mentioned and I like first off the way his like he, his knees would come together and they would just like move side to side. God, yeah. It was, it was incredible. <sighs> and like the <laughs> just the hands up, like move like it's just <laughs> I just I love the fact that he's a stripper. It's just like hands up like he's fucking at a disco. <laughs> just like fucking just wiggling. And then and then the like weird like arms crossing part when he's laying on his back and just humping. Yeah, that was so weird. It's so weird. It's so funny. And then as she's getting off the stage, the way he like smiles and kind of humps, humps oh behind. Oh my god! It's just it's like the it's looks weird. he give her. He gives her are fucking hilarious. Just and then. The, when he first opens the curtain, the look he gives the audience, yep. like, I'm going to fuck you. By all means, it's a corny scene that should probably be uncomfortable because I, for one, am not attracted to male nudity, but it's hilarious. <laughs> Just hilarious. And also, he's like, I mean, everyone would probably say, oh, he's got a belly. And he's like, oh, look at how, how shape he was. I'm looking at him like, he's totally in shape. Like, 
beyond the belly, he's just he's got like the cuts near the hips and like yeah. his legs are obviously a shit. Like that guy is in great shape. I mean, I would assume that they probably told him that scene was going to be happening and he probably <laughs> had a month to prepare. But he was in shape for that. And it was just like just kudos to Oscar Nunez for that scene. That scene, top notch. Hilarity hilarity right there. Which makes up for the unfortunate, you know, stereotype that they made him play with an accent the whole time. But nonetheless. Yeah. At least they found Hispanic to do that accent. Um, uh, what happens after ever after? What uh, does happen after ever after? Honestly, <laughs> I don't know if they stay together. Oh. I don't know. Why not? I'm just not fully convinced. Like, Bitch, don't ruin this. I, you just have to infer that there's a lot of changes about like the vulnerability, or maybe like she, like they learn how to be vulnerable and to properly love, but they kind of teach each other how to like open up, but they themselves are not the the final partners that get to receive that love. What if they, you but, know, grow together? That doesn't happen. I, I don't believe in that. That's bullshit. I, I don't believe in, in growing together. I believe, like, you attract where you are. And if, you are in a, if you're not in a place where you're ready for it all, then you're not ready for it at all. So then are you just... Assuming oh, that it, it, oh, if you're not ready for it at all, then you're not ready for it at all. Woo! I'm spitting. Woo! That, that makes no sense. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's how I feel. So, you, are you saying you, you just you reach a point in your life where you stop changing, and that's when you attract your significant other? No, I'm saying like there's. Certain, like, there's certain changes that happen. Like, I mean, there's general changes within life, but I'm saying, like, as far as emotional vulnerability, like, you're not changing, like, your emotional vulnerability and who you are emotionally um, at a certain point. Like, you understand how to kind of open up and be a partner to someone. You have to understand how to do that beforehand. I, I would ag- I would agree I would agree that you have to you have to have a foundation beforehand you have to understand the basics beforehand, but you're constantly developing your emotional availability your entire life depending on what kind of events happen to you. Breakups aside, like your emotional vulnerability and capacity change every time you know you get married or a loved one passes away or. You know, you have kids, you know, all the, all of that teaches you new ways to love, new sides to love. So. I mean, that's, that, granted, you're also talking to a 32-year-old who's never really had a relationship and is constantly wondering if he's a sociopath. So, <laughs> Dude, you know, dude you no, get that shit out of your head. That's a quarantine talking right there. <laughs> Fuck. You are not a sociopath. The fact that you can question that to begin with already a sign that you're not. 
<laughs> That's very true, because I make a podcast for the people. So, But also, just to be safe, we're going to ask you to stay in quarantine a few extra months. That's fair, and that's understandable, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> anyway, uh, no, but what I had before this, like, because the what happens after or after, like, it's still a question mark. I don't know if they actually stay together or not in this film, and I'm not willing to put a final sentence on that. I'm going to play off of what I said last week, where I had a what happens before ever after. Okay. And what happens before ever after is when he goes at the during the opening credits to the Starbucks and the barista gives Yeah, what the fuck happened to her? I liked her. Well, this happened over a weekend, so obviously he doesn't have time to be with her and then he falls in love with Margaret. My story is he notices the before he leaves, he notices that she wrote her number on the coffee. And he decides, fuck it, I'm already running behind. I'm going to chat up this barista for another five minutes. So he chats her up. And because of that, he runs late. And so so what ends up happening is Margaret sees the big bosses before he gets there. And so she finds out, and so he's not in there, but she has to tell him that she's engaged. And the whole thing never happens, and he ends up with the barista. Damn. So, he may be working somewhere else, because she probably fires him for not being there at that time. But at the same time... Well, she would be getting deported. But Bob would probably fire him. Why? He was never part of her whole firing of him. Well, uh, fair. I mean, so he may he inevitably was... keep his job, end up with the coffee shop girl, and, and Margaret gets and work under Bob. And work under Bob, who would be woefully incompetent to the point where he might become editor in chief in five years to replace Bob after Bob's incompetence and uh, you know infidelity oh, finally come. To- come to light that convinces coffee shop girl to pursue uh her dream career of painting yeah then she she becomes a famous painter for uh you know dogs and cats at vet clinics and stuff to soothe them yeah she sells billions and as editor even though he's editor-in-chief he finds a way to still get his manuscript published without you know any you know, uh, uh, friction. What's the, no hurdles. Conflict of interest. Oh yeah, yeah. Yes. They retire early, move back to Sitka to take over the town. Yeah, and he start and he writes and she paints from Sitka. On their beautiful front porch, overlooking the lake. Yeah. Damn. Okay. And Gammy is still alive. <laughs> And they got married in the barn. And Betty White is 135 years old, but still alive. <laughs> 135. <laughs> she's still kicking. She's still out in the forest <laughs> doing fucking dances. Yeah. She's still. <laughs> I mean, I, oh, like, oh, 
God, I feel like if they were there an extra three days, they would have found her stash. <laughs> you know she's got some live peace pipe ceremonies going down. <laughs> oh, they wouldn't have had to find it. If they'd stayed there an extra day, she would have shared it willingly. <laughs> For real. Mm. All right. Well, fuck that. Well, now I kind of want to see that movie. I know. I, fuck. I know. Damn, son. We just... Well, shit. That's what happens before after that. After, after so, what's your verdict of the film? Or actually, you know what? I always ask you that. Let me, I'm going to go first this time. Uh, I will keep this as a fuck. I contemplated marrying it, but I'm going to keep it as a fuck even though I watched it twice. It's a very good movie, and it's fun, and it's enjoyable. Um, you know? Uh, I, I, But it's not like one that it's just going to be like, I need to watch that again right now. Sort yeah. Of um, but very enjoyable, and I definitely wouldn't kick it out of bed. <laughs> I I'm right there with you. Exact same rating. It's Great, it's fun, it's cute, it's all the above. It's a great rom com. Uh, you know, it's, but it's, do I see it standing the test of time? Do I see it, you know, being there like if, my whole life? If, if I'm trying to kill time and I'm thinking of a movie to watch, I'm immediately thinking of either when Harry met Sally, and, or for me, Danny Real Life, or The Wedding Date. You know, or possibly even leap year because I know with the wedding date and leap year, I could just turn my brain off. And, and just <laughs> That's true. Know, yeah, just know where I'm at with those movies. With Dan in Real Life, I know that Steve Carell is going to be fantastic. I'm just going to love every moment of it. Um, with When Harry Met Sally, it's going to keep my attention the whole fucking time. Uh, you know, but with this movie, it's just like. I know Sandra and Ryan are going to have really good chemistry, but then I'm going to keep asking questions about, are they really in love? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a good movie to have on in the background, like watch it once and then, you know, keep watching it in the background, you know, in the future. Cause then like there's funny scenes to tune into and then you can kind of tune out for a while and then tune back in, you know, what scenes coming up. Yeah. It's a, it's a good, it's a good fuck. I agree. Well, uh, we have social medias that you can follow. We do. Uh, our podcast social medias. Uh, the Instagram is Bromancing the Stone Podcast. You can follow us there. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at Bro the Stone Pod. Uh, and then you can follow me on Twitter at Supermarket Sweep without the E in Super. S U P R Market Sweep. And then you can follow me on Instagram at Relusa88. That's R-E-L-U-S-A-88. You can see my song of the day stories that I've been putting out. And, you know, whatever song that comes to mind, I make a post about it. It's pretty cool. And it then is. you, I vouch, I vouch for that. It is pretty <laughs> cool. Uh, I am on Instagram at the Lionhearted, which is T-H-E, period, L-Y-O-N-H-E-A-R-T-E-D. Perfect. And so this has been our first episode of June. Uh, and yeah. so next week it's Max's choice. Oh shit. I did not even look at the list. Well, Max. Well, um, maybe we just continue the Sandra Bullock uh, trend. Um, Miss Congeniality. There, 
Well, I mean, you like that one. Oh, so I do like that one. If you want to do that one over while yeah, you're let's, sleeping. Let's fucking do that one. Let's do this. What, what am I even contemplating here? The choice okay. is obvious. Miss Congeniality it is. All right, then. It is Miss Congeniality. So you just heard the – this is the deliberation process where we don't prepare. So <laughs> you all enjoyed that. Uh, they did. So, oh, they yeah. did. Miss Congeniality next week. I'm going to save my choice um, for the week after. I think it's about – actually, no. No, 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 I no, no, no. Save it. Save it. I think we should go back to like the just, – just announcing the next one. All right. Fine. I want to. I, I want to be surprised. I think I already know what I want to do. It's going to have nothing to do with this movie. So, um, but <laughs> next week we're going to do miscongeniality. So get ready for that. Get you know. Get ready for your. Get your pageant dress. You know, ready. Get your pageant get your, hair going. Get your sash and your tiara. Yes, and get ready. Get your answers ready. Let's do this shit. Piece. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Until then, for the tens and tens of listeners, we love y'all. We thank y'all. Have a good rest of the night, or week, and everything. Yes. Love you guys.